You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Disease Du Jour podcast on Fecal Egg Counts with Dr. Katherine Duncan. I'm your host, Carly Sisson, Digital Editor of Equal Management. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2024 by Merck Animal Health. Dr. Katherine Duncan, DVM, PhD, DACVM, Parasitology, is an assistant professor in the Veterinary Pathobiology Department at Oklahoma State University's College of Veterinary Medicine, where she conducts research on parasites and teaches in the veterinary parasitology curriculum. She also often consults on all things parasitology for Mark Animal Health. Dr. Duncan graduated from University of Tennessee's College of Veterinary Medicine, completed a residency in veterinary parasitology through the National Center for Veterinary Parasitology, obtained a PhD in biomedical sciences at Oklahoma State University, and is a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Microbiologists Board Certified in Parasitology. Dr. Duncan has been involved in a number of research projects and publications in veterinary parasitology. Well, thank you, Dr. Duncan, for joining us on this episode of Disease Du Jour. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really honestly always so excited to talk about worms. This is such an important topic for just about every vet and horse owner. To get started, do you want to just mention why should vets offer fecal egg counts? What are some of the benefits to horses? What are some of the benefits to clients? Yeah, of course. So just in case there are a couple people that maybe aren't aware of what fecal egg counts are. I'll just explain it very basically. So when you think about a fecal egg count at its foundational level, they're very simple. Uh, We're just taking a small portion of the horse's fecal sample, performing a fecal float, and then we're counting or quantifying the number of eggs in that sample. And typically, it's the strongyle eggs that we're going to see. And and in the populations of horses in the U.S., it's usually small strongyles or sathostomes. And then with just a tiny amount of math, so I promised to say, tiny amount of math, uh, you can then determine the eggs per gram in that pile of feces that was defecated by the horse. And that information is actually really critical if we're going to formulate a successful parasite prevention plan. But to go back to benefits and why vets should offer them, there are some just general benefits. Uh, What we're doing here is we're determining the horses that are responsible for contributing the greatest contamination of parasite eggs to pasture. There's been some research that's shown, you know, just 15 to 30 percent, a pretty small proportion of horses in a herd are actually contributing approximately 80 percent of all the eggs that are out on pasture. And so knowing which horses do that are going to allow us to create a selective deworming program. Selective meaning we are only going to select a few horses to actually deworm. Now, why we do that before, you know, recommendations didn't used to have us do that, but we're doing that now to allow refugia. And refugia is just allowing a population of worms to be in refuge from the compound. So they're not being exposed to any compound. Now that's larvae that are out on pasture. So they're not currently in a horse. Larvae that are insisted in a horse, so not quite adults and aren't in the lumen. 
or the worms in those horses that we don't treat. And why we want some worms to go out and be on pasture is because we actually want some worms to stay susceptible to the anthelmintics we have so that they can mate with worms that contain resistant genes. And what we're allowing pretty much to happen is just this dilution effect of that resistant population. And so Refugia directly is allowing us to prolong the efficacy of the dewormers that we have. So that's why it's so important to do that. Now, benefits to clients, you know, it's going to save time and money if you are selectively deworming. I'll admit that first time you do all the fecal egg counts on the horses, it's going to take time. And you probably have to do that a couple times to determine, you know, how consistent the horse is within how they shed. But after that, once you have those horses classified, you're going to save time and money because you're not having to buy as much dewormer and you're not going to have to give them to all the horses. By doing fecal egg counts, like I said, we're going to allow refugia, and that's going to prolong the longevity of an anthelmintic, which I believe every horse owner is going to love that because we want to make sure we have dewormers that still work. And for horses, the biggest benefit is they're going to have better parasite control without the overuse of anthelmintics or those dewormers. And uh, I think all horses would be happy to have that. Great. Well, I think we're going to jump into deworming protocols a little bit later on. But just to clarify, when you say selectively deworming, would you be deworming the horses that are the highest shutters or the horses that are moderate to low shutters? Yeah. So selective deworming, you have to first have that fecal egg count. So I'll kind of go into what the current deworming recommendations are for the fecal egg count. I I mostly took this information from AAEP, Internal Parasite Guidelines, which were last updated in 2019, uh, probably my favorite resource to use. A little bit of a disclaimer, though, you know, as more research is released, that these recommendations are likely to change. I mean, they've drastically changed over the last 50 years, so I just urge everybody to stay up to date on what these guidelines are saying. There's also no consensus, of course, we're all scientists and we have opinions, but there's no consensus on an acceptable level of egg shedding per horse. And so everyone's going to have a different opinion of where we, they fall within this classification. But based on the guidelines, there are three main groups that we can classify horses into. They can be a low shedder if they're less than 200 eggs per gram from that fecal egg count, moderate shedder if it's anywhere from 200 to 500 eggs per gram, or a high shedder if it's over 500 eggs per gram. Now, it's best to classify these horses into one of these groups using more than one fecal egg count that was done at more than one time point throughout the year. So initially to classify these horses, it may take six to 12 months to really understand if they're going to be consistent with that group. I will say that usually they are. So once you determine that, they usually are, but it can change depending on the immune status of the horse. So are there any other disease processes going on? Is it the winter time? Are they more stressed? What's their nutrition like? So kind of knowing where they fall within these classifications can be really helpful. And if we start thinking about when we deworm then, so we've done our fecal egg count, we've classified the horse into one of these three groups, and then you, we ask, okay, well, now what do we do? Well, the first thing is, is that all horses should be dewormed at least once to two times per year. And that's just to manage the small strongyles that are there. We know all horses have them. They're ubiquitous. And then we also want to ensure that we're not allowing re-emergence of large strongyles. Large strongyles are very susceptible to the anthelmintics that we have. And so we want to make sure that we keep those in lower prevalence levels within the horses because they are usually pathogenic. 
also tapeworm dewormers. So praziquantel should be given at least once per year as well, since we know a species of tapeworms there can cause colic. So all horses at least once to two times a year. Then we can take that fecal egg count information and deliver additional treatments to the horses that are either moderate or high contaminators, those shedders. Usually we say no more than four treatments a year, which is usually shocking to some because we used to deworm, you know, every two months, but that was the right. targeting, you know, large John Giles. So those moderate to high shedders, you're probably doing three times a year, maybe four if they're showing signs of parasitic disease. But nature actually can help us in this pursuit of strategically deworming or selectively deworming. So I live in Oklahoma. It's a very hot climate. There is no need to deworm in those hot summer months because nature is killing most of the larvae that are in the environment. So why waste your time or your money at that time of year? Uh, and that's in contrast, if you're in a very cold climate, it's likely not needed to be dewormed in the colder months of the year, just because that freezing and then the freezing and the thawing kind of cycle back and forth. It really does limit the survival of the eggs and the larvae on pasture. Today's Disease Azure podcast is brought to you by Panicare Fenbendazole from Merck Animal Health. With the unique mode of action, Panicare is tough on the most dangerous parasites of the horse. Panicare is widely recognized as the product of choice for treating ascarids, and Panicare Power Pack is the only FDA-approved treatment for all stages of insisted small strongiles. Learn more about Panicare at MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com. Panicare is not for use in horses intended for human consumption. Refer to the manufacturer's label before using. So what would be required internally or externally to provide fecal egg counts to clients, maybe in the context of both a solo practitioner without much equipment or time and a multivet practice with staff available? Of course. So there is going to be a varying recommendations of how you can do these based on what, you know, the veterinarians are capable of doing. In the case of a single practitioner, honestly, I would recommend you just organize the logistics to send that sample off. You know, work with a reference lab. A lot of them will perform fecal egg counts, but I really prefer the university labs to do that because then you can create this point of contact if you have questions about the results or you want the most up-to-date information about uh, deworming protocols. So definitely those university labs will be helpful. Whereas if you have a lot of vets and you have a practice that has that support staff to run these, this is great. And once you do it a handful of times, honestly, it's going to be one of the easiest things that you guys have to do in that laboratory setting. There's a few methods. Regardless of what method you choose, you've got to have a microscope. That's the most important thing. We've got to visualize those eggs. And then again, those AAEP guidelines have a description of the methods step by step and even what materials you need. So go there if you want more information. But the, the most common method, which is my preferred, is called the modified McMaster method. You're going to need a small scale to weigh out the feces because we need to know how much feces we're starting with to then be able to do that small amount of math to determine the eggs per gram. You'll need paper cups, sodium nitrate solution or Fecosol is one of the brand names, tongue depressors for handling the feces, cheesecloth for straining out the majority of the debris so that we just have the liquid with the eggs left a plastic pipette to load the mixture into that McMaster slide. And the McMaster slides, you do have to buy up front. Uh, it's not too expensive and they are reusable. You just have to clean them well. But it's actually really important that you have the proper McMaster slide because those have been validated for an exact amount of volume that you're going to count the eggs and then to be able to do that math to determine the eggs per gram. So that has to be exact. Uh, so that's the, the common method. Again, kind of 
all you need and how to do it are in those AAEP guidelines. The other method, which is growing popularity, is the mini flow tax system. Now, they sometimes can be hard to get. So if you can get them, it's great because it comes with all the directions and really all the supplies you need. And then you'll just have to supplement in kind of those supplies that you use up. So that's really great. Again, if you if you can get a hold of those. Really quick before we move on, I think performing these is one thing, but also knowing when to perform them is going to be really important. And so we always say to sample just prior to deworming. And, you know, if you're kind of checking for your high shedders or deworming, I kind of time it with the seasons. The most common time to deworm is the spring and the fall. And so definitely that's a good time to do this. But you're going to sample just prior to deworming, no more than seven days before. And then you're going to treat the animal and any treated animals, you're going to sample 10 to 14 days after deworming. And you'll do fecal egg counts on both of those time points. So you have a pre-treatment fecal egg count and a post-treatment fecal egg count. Then you can determine actually the percent reduction in the egg counts, and it'll help you to determine the efficacy of the dewormer. So that's kind of the next step if you want to take this program to another level. It's really to determine what dewormer is most effective for the parasites that are on your farm. Do you want to provide any additional information on current deworming recommendations or anything else on the topic of fecal egg counts before we wrap up? Of course. So I always say that without the help of equine veterinarians in the field and horse owners advocating for the fecal accounts and the judicious use of anthelmintics, we really can't begin to hope for successful parasite management for horses. And we are now at a point where we're dependent on maximizing the remaining usefulness of the dewormers that we have until new drug classes can be released. And even when new drug classes are released, we should use them in a way that we can prolong the longevity. So getting everybody used to fecal egg counts and checking for percent reduction, that post-fecal egg count is really going to be helpful for, for the community as a whole. And so talking about control measures in general, always use a combination. You know, dewormers are a great start, but we've got to add in some other things if we want to be successful. So that strategic deworming, like we've talked about using the fecal egg count, that's our starting point. But you can do a lot of pasture management. You know, it's as simple as picking up feces. I was actually reading in the guidelines that reminded me that, you know, before we had great anthelmintics, a lot of, you know, elite farms were having someone, they called them, I think, pasture grooms. And they would go out and pick up the feces as right after the horses were defecating, because if there's no feces, there's no parasites. And I realize that's not really realistic to everybody, but fecal removal is a great thing to do if you can supplement that on a farm. If you have stalls or paddock horses and you're trying to figure out how to utilize those feces, you need to compound those feces before you would spread them on any pastures. Because if we were just spreading the feces on the pasture, we're practically just littering parasites everywhere. And so allowing those to get to a certain temperature where the larvae are not going to survive is really important before we spread that. Pasture that's already on feces, you can harrow, kind of break up those feces because the fecal ball themselves is actually protective. It's allowing, you know, the optimum humidity and the temperature. So let's break that up, let all those great dung beetles and insects come in, break apart everything, and that'll decrease the survival of those infectious stages. Rotating pastures is another thing that can be done, you know, allowing time for those pastures to rest and those parasite stages to die before we put animals back on. Co-grazing is another thing. So 
putting ruminants on the same pasture with the horses. They're essentially eating each other's parasites so the others can't get infected. Uh, Usually it works. There's only one parasite that overlaps between horses and ruminants, and it's the stomach worm. But it's, it's not that common in horses, and it doesn't typically cause disease unless there are other issues going on. You can reduce the stocking density. So if we limit how many horses are on a certain pasture, we're going to limit how often they're coming in contact with parasites or each other's parasites. We can elevate feeders and hay off the ground, uh, especially when the grazing isn't possible in that field. Because again, if we can get those horses eating at a level where the parasites can't reach, then again, they're not going to ingest those parasites. And so that goes for grass in general. Allowing that grass to grow a little higher will again have that horse eating at a higher level than those parasites. And um, increasing the nutritional plane for horses can always be a good thing just to bolster that immune system. Anything we can do to help that immune system help us combat the parasites is going to be helpful. Well, those are some great recommendations and some really great actionable solutions. Thank you so much, Dr. Duncan, for joining us today. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in to the Disease Du Jour podcast. And a special thank you to our sponsor, Merck Animal Health, for giving us the opportunity to have these conversations. If you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, please send me an email at ccisson at equinenetwork.com. That's C-S-I-S-S-O-N at equinenetwork.com. <laughs>